The following podcast contains adult themes and is suitable for mature audiences only. Hello and welcome to Lyrics of Their Life, the podcast that talks about the extraordinary lives lived by those that wrote or performed the songs we know and love. I'm your host Adam Hampton and in today's episode I'll be talking about Pink, the rebel rock star known for her strong raspy voice, high-flying live performances and worldwide chart-topping smash hits. Pink has rose from being a rebellious troubled teen to a mother and role model for many. Her honesty depicting her own life throughout her songs and her dedication to making change within society has made her one of the most influential artists of the modern era and has paved the way for those looking to break the mould of the pop star stereotype for generations to come. This is the story of Pink. This is Lyrics of Their Life. Pink was born Alicia Beth Moore on the 8th of September 1979 in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania in the United States of America. Her parents were Jim Moore and Judith Moore. Judith was an emergency room nurse and Jim was an ex-Vietnam veteran who served in the Air Force and returned home to become an insurance salesman. Their heritage includes a mix of German, Jewish, Lithuanian and Irish descent. Alicia also had an older brother by two years named Jason. Alicia was initially a healthy baby, but just after three weeks, she began to suffer from severe asthma. She would often have troubles breathing and was rushed to hospital several times for needles and shots of adrenaline after having severe asthma attacks. She would suffer from asthma for most of her childhood until one day it went away. The Moore family moved to middle-class country and farming area Doylestown, Pennsylvania when Alicia was young where she had a good early childhood and would venture off with her older brother Jason on their push bikes and explore the local forest. Together they would play sports, climb trees and rescue injured animals. And from a young age, she was a daddy's girl and would follow him around about the house and tag along with him everywhere he went. Her dad was a very active and involved father who would often play with her and her brother as he adored them. At just the age of four, Alicia was enrolled in gymnastics and would compete as an amateur until age 12. As a child growing up, it was Alicia's dream to compete in the Olympics one day and it also kept her fit, along with playing soccer and dancing, but gymnastics and singing were her favourite hobbies and passions. Alicia would get involved with K-6 choirs and singing groups. Her father would be a large inspiration for her love of singing, as he would play guitar and Alicia would grab whatever she could find and turn it into a microphone and belt out the tunes. Her father would also write songs of his own, especially about his experiences in Vietnam. Alicia's love of music was evident from early on, as she would carry around a portable kids karaoke machine, taking it on long car trips and singing her heart out as she drove her parents and brother crazy. Alicia's father was part of the TVA Vietnam Veterans Group, who would provide food to the homeless and contribute to the community in a range of ways. On one evening on Thanksgiving, Alicia and her brother joined their father at the local homeless shelter to help serve the homeless and the hungry. 
It was a massive eye-opener for the kids, exposing them to an early life lesson of appreciating what they had and developing empathy for those that were less fortunate. Despite these good times, during early childhood, Alicia's family home became quite hostile and Alicia and her brother were caught in the middle of their parents' failing marriage. Her parents began to despise one another and argue over a range of common issues such as money, kids and work leading to their eventual divorce in 1987 when Alicia was just 9 and her brother was 11. Her father was made to move out and he sat the kids down in the family room to tell them the news. Jim reassured the kids that it wasn't their fault but the kids were obviously distraught and upset. With Alicia begging him not to go, she was hit hardest by the divorce and began to rebel and become reclusive and chose music as her escape and safe place. Her father would even sell his prized possession, a gold Rolex watch, to pay for the children's child support. Shortly after the divorce, Alicia discovered music as a coping mechanism as she turned to singing lessons at age 9, training classically, singing a mix of opera and show tunes. At the commencement of the year at age 10, Alicia performed at a recital in front of 1,500 people at the Germantown Academy in Philadelphia. Alicia blew away the audience and her parents who were in attendance as she sung Oh Father by Madonna. Alicia learnt that music made her parents stop and listen and cease their arguing and that it made people happy. Both her parents were extremely proud of her. Alicia quickly grew in confidence after this performance and says that she wasn't nervous at all. During the performance, she had channeled all of her built-up energy, emotion and anger into the performance and loved every minute. Alicia at this time was a massive Linda Perry fan from the Four Non Blondes. Known for their hit What's Up, Pink idolised the deep lyrics Perry wrote and she felt that she understood her pain. She knew their one and only album Back to Front called Bigger, Better, Faster and More that she bought at the age of 13. Alicia began singing in school plays and recitals and was recognised as the school's best singer, often getting the lead roles over others, most notably singing a beautiful version of the Simon and Garfunkel hit Bridge Over Troubled Water in one particular play. But despite excelling in this area, Alicia began dressing as a skater girl in punk-style clothes with long black punk boots and began taking no interest in passing school tests and focusing on making it as a musician. Alicia's school friends remember her singing in class all the time and getting in trouble for this quite often. During school after her parents' divorce, Alicia developed a bad attitude to schoolwork and began getting involved in fights with other students and hanging out with rebellious type kids, known for getting in trouble and some even being involved with drugs, drinking and smoking. Alicia was now a skater girl and dressed and acted like a tomboy, hanging out with a predominantly male group of skater kids. This rebellious behaviour all stemming from her parents' hostile divorce. She had begun smoking cigarettes at age 9, smoked marijuana for the first time at age 11, and started taking acid at just the age of 12, before getting into other hard drugs at the age of 13, including ecstasy, PCP or dust, crystal meth and nitrous oxide, known as the laughing gas, while even trying her hand at heroin at times. Alicia and a group of friends would hang out in a garage skipping school and smoking pot when her parents were out for the day. Alicia had even built up a bad reputation around town with some of the parents of her friends disapproving of their kids hanging around Alicia. This notion was also shared by Alicia's parents who thought the same of her friends being a bad influence. At just 13 years of age, Alicia began having parties, cooking drugs and selling them out of her mother's house while she was out. 
The scene would have shocked most, and especially Alicia's mother, with users passed out around the house. Her mother, Judith, at this time was working and studying full-time, so she trusted Alicia to take care of herself for a majority of the time. Her mother, though, was seemingly unaware of the goings-on. Several times, Alicia would be arrested for a range of altercations, including fights and drug possession, as she was taken away in police cars and slapped with fines, often getting off with a warning by using her charm to get off lightly. Around the age of 13, while Alicia was in 7th grade, she was caught smoking cigarettes by her mother, and in order to teach her a lesson, her mother decided she would make her smoke the whole pack in front of her, which only backfired, causing Alicia to rebel. As a teenager, Alicia would attend Central Bucks High School West, continuing her addiction to using hard drugs, but music was always her first love and passion. Her favourite artists growing up included Joan Jett, Janis Joplin, Michael Jackson, Aerosmith, Mary J. Blige, Billy Joel and Madonna. On one particular night, one of Alicia's peers from school heard her singing at one of her drug and alcohol fueled parties and told her that they were seeking a new lead singer for a band she was in. Excited by the offer, Alicia joined the rock band that was called Middle Ground. She was still only just 13 as the band proceeded to win a number of talent shows but the band would ultimately split after losing a battle of the band's competition. Alicia's mother Judith wasn't fond of her being a part of Middle Ground, as Alicia had painted her bedroom black and began writing dark poetry in a book, which was in fact song lyrics. Alicia began sneaking out of her mother's house at age 13 and travelling with her friends and older teens to the club scene in Philadelphia. Her brother Jason would even take her with him on occasions, using a fake ID under the name Siani Myers. Alicia would get into clubs and party hard on drugs, using the money she had made from dealing. Alicia also began performing on the club scene, becoming a regular on Friday nights, performing with DJs and as a solo artist. Alicia would also ensure that she returned at 5 or 6 in the morning before her mother woke up, keeping this part of her life a secret. Alicia would often run away and sleep at her friend's place, grabbing her sleeping bag and pillow and taking off, leaving her worried parents to go searching for her, worrying that she would wind up dead or passed out in a gutter. Her parents felt she was a lost cause and didn't understand how much their divorce and home life had impacted her. At age 14, Alicia wrote her first ever song titled Generation X that she wrote to feature on a rap tune. Alicia also auditioned for a girl group called Basic Instinct and she was given a spot in the lineup, but the project was short-lived and folded before they were even able to release any material. Alicia's rebellious behaviour and drug addiction would take a life-changing turn when at just the age of 15, she overdosed on a cocktail of substances. Her close friend and DJ Storm were present at the time and attempted to wake her up. DJ Storm managed to get her up standing and talking before telling her she needs to give up on the drugs and jump on the microphone and sing. After discovering her voice, he told her he could get her a gig in Philly, and it changed Alicia's life forever. Alicia would use the last of her crystal meth to get through the rest of high school, but after that she didn't touch the drugs again. Alicia begged anyone to drive her to Philly to sing on an open mic night at an underground club called Club Fever, located in a basement type bar where she would perform a Mary J Blige track in front of a majority black audience, who were also quite hostile towards Alicia initially. She was hurled abuse and booed with members of the crowd yelling, white bitch, get off the stage, and who the fuck do you think you are? Despite this, the crowd soon came around after Alicia began showing off her vocal talent. 
The abuse quickly turned into cheers as Alicia blew the crowd away with her take on an R&B track. Alicia would now gig regularly on a Friday night from here on with DJ Scratch, but when back at home with her mother, she was still rebelling and the two were constantly butting heads. This pushed her mother Judith to breaking point over the way Alicia dressed, the types of friends she would bring home, and returning home at late hours. Alicia was out of control and couldn't follow rules and boundaries, so her mum had no choice but to kick the 15-year-old out of home, forcing Alicia to move in with her father and his new wife Grace and her own daughter. Alicia would continue to perform in Philly while she also took up a number of casual short-lived jobs and worked at one stage at McDonald's for a short period of time. Alicia also got many tattoos in her teen years, with her first being when she was just 12, before getting another at the age of 15 that was an angel wing representing her guardian angel who saved her when she had overdosed. Alicia would go on to get around 17 tattoos in her lifetime. It was in the Philly club scene that Alicia would get her first big break after being spotted by a female record executive that knew of some gentlemen that were looking to put together an R&B all-white girl group named Choice. Alicia was eventually chosen for the group, and after becoming the third of three members, alongside Sharon Flanagan and Chrissy Conway, they would audition for a range of labels, but many were uninterested, until they were scouted by L.A. Reid of LaFace Records. Reid first heard of Choice when one of his assistants was playing their demo tape in her office. She then showed him a picture of the three girls, and he couldn't believe the voices coming out of them. He could hear something special within the group, most notably Alicia stating that she had so much soul in her voice and he was intrigued by the unique prospect of three white females singing R&B music. L.A. Reid quickly moved to sign them and the trio were moved to Atlanta where they would live together to produce their first studio album. Alicia would officially sign her first record deal at the age of 16. She was excited and extremely happy. Her parents agreed that there was no point keeping her in school, as she hated it and music was her future, so she left at the age of 16 and marked the occasion of her last day by being picked up in a limousine. She would later return to complete her GED and graduate in between chasing her dreams as a musician. Alicia's parents were relieved that she had now been able to escape the dodgy groups she had been hanging around, while her brother Jason would follow in his father's footsteps and join the Air Force. Choice released a song called Key to My Heart for the soundtrack for the film Shazam featuring Shaquille O'Neal. At the annual Christmas party for LaFace Records, Choice were asked to perform the song but it would not go down well as the group produced a terrible performance with the room going silent in shock, prompting those at the party to question what LA saw in them as a group. Despite this, Alicia's name popped up in conversation and she was seen as the obvious standout of the three. Alicia wrote the bulk of the songs for the group, but before they could even release their first album, L.A. Reid gave Alicia an ultimatum to go solo or go home. Alicia felt guilty and upset by the fact that she would be required to leave behind the two girls that had become sisters to her, and she was dreading telling them. Despite feeling devastated and being a loyal person, she decided she couldn't let this opportunity slip away and agreed to go solo. Alicia was now more focused than ever to make it. Choice would officially disband in 1998. After being signed to a solo contract with LaFace Records, Alicia would spontaneously turn up to L.A. Reid's office with short pink hair where she said to him, I'm not Alicia anymore, I'm Mr. Pink. 
She came up with the name Mr. Pink after being nicknamed by her male friends as they were referring to the Quentin Tarantino movie Reservoir Dogs starring Steve Buscemi as Mr. Pink. Her friends likened Mr. Pink's crazy but bold character to Alicia's personality. The name stuck but she would drop the Mr. and become just Pink. Her father was shocked to see what she had done to her hair but she replied that she just wanted to be creative. Pink recalls the time she once ran into Steve Buscemi after her name changed as she says in a hilarious interview, I actually ran into Steve on the street in New York before my first album came out. I had these big fucking Elton John glasses on, pink hair and carried a pink panther toy. I went, Steve, Mr. Pink, I'm pink because of you. I'm going to have an album and you're going to know who I am. And he was like, what the fuck lady? And just ran away from me. I've never met him since. He was scared shitless of me. Sorry, Steve. Tip to be the next big thing in music. In 1999, Pink set off recording her first studio album, Can't Take Me Home, which would be released on the 4th of April 2000 and was co-produced by winner of 11 Grammys and writer and producer of 26 number one R&B hits known as Babyface. The album peaked at number 10 in Australia, 13 in the UK and 26 on the US Billboard charts and received mixed reviews but was highly popular and successful in regards to fans and sales. It sold over 2 million copies in the US alone and 4 million copies worldwide with the R&B album having 3 successful singles. Pink wanted to do her own thing and stylized the album to her own tastes but she was forced to release an R&B album. Scared to rock the boat, she would co-write a number of songs, but generally took a back seat in regards to writing on the first album, as it was a very controlled process. Her first single, There You Go, was released almost two months prior to the album, on the 20th of February 2000, as a debut single. Pink burst onto the R&B scene with her bright short pink hair and her soulful voice that was full of attitude. It performed the best in Australia, going to number 2 on the ARIA charts and reaching number 6 in the UK and New Zealand as well as number 7 in her home country, the US. The song was partly written by Pink and is said to have been written about an ex-boyfriend begging for her back but it was unconfirmed whether it was relating to a true relationship or a manufactured storyline for the song. The great debut track was backed up by an attitude-filled music video depicting Pink as a badass riding in on a motorbike and hanging out as a skater chick with a group of buff skater men. Her second single, Most Girls, was released on September 4 of 2000 and became her biggest hit from the album going to number 1 in Australia, number 2 in Canada and New Zealand, number 4 in the US and number 4 in the UK. It went to number one and reached the top five on a range of R&B charts across the UK and US and it became the second platinum single from the album in Australia. The song talks about wanting real love and not wanting money which although Pink didn't write the song it reflects many of Pink's values that would be prominent later in life. The third and final single from Can't Take Me Home was You Make Me Sick and was released in December of the year 2000 but was not a highly successful release and managed its highest charting success in the UK at number 9. Again Pink didn't write the track and would make sure she had more of a say on her next album. Pink performed her first live show in Orlando at the House of Blues for her debut concert in front of her parents. She worked the crowd and got lost in a performance and ensured that she thanked the crowd for coming before walking off the stage. Pink was excited when she realised that she could make a living from doing this and live performances were a favourite part of the process. 
Pink toured North America as a support act for boy band NSYNC on their No Strings Attached tour before attending the Billboard Music Awards with her father as her date. It was here where Alicia collected her first award for Best New Pop Artist in 2001 for the track There You Go. In a beautiful gesture of Pink's love for her father, she repaid her father with a replacement gold Rolex with her first paycheck as an artist, after he had given this up years ago to fund Pink's child support. He was very emotional and grateful to receive the gift and still wears it to this day. On March 27, 2001, the soundtrack for Moulin Rouge was released featuring the hip-hop and R&B tune Lady Marmalade. It was covered by Pink, Christina Aguilera, Little Kim and Maya and was produced by hip-hop artist Missy Elliott. It was a massive coup to get the four rising pop and R&B artists together as Pink tells the story of when she first met the group. Christina was last to arrive alongside a record label executive named Ron Fair, who was overly rude to the other ladies, refusing to say hello or acknowledge the other performers. He then continued by stating, What's the highest and longest part of the song? Christina will be singing that part. Pink being Pink was furious at this blunt arrogance and stepped forward saying, Hi, how are you? So nice of you to introduce yourself. I'm Pink. She will not be taking that part. I think that that's what this meeting's fucking about. Lady Marmalade would go on to peak at number one in Australia, the UK, New Zealand, the US and 10 other countries. As of December 2001, the track had sold over 5 million copies worldwide and became the highest selling song of 2001. The music video for Lady Marmalade featured the ladies dressed in lingerie in a French cabaret style setting. Pink was dressed in a large blonde and curly wig with a black top hat and black and silver lingerie and was quoted as saying the video was like a circus on acid. The smash hit earned them a Grammy the following year for best pop collaboration with the four on stage to accept the award. Pink showed her cheeky side by saying, Thank you to everyone that thought we made good whores, with Christina pulling a face of disgust at Pink's comedic comment. Pink was always up for a laugh and known not to take herself too seriously. She was outspoken and honest and never shy. The song was quite raunchy and spoke of a female French prostitute with a particular line during the song being sung in French which would be translated in English as reading Would you like to sleep with me tonight? The girls of the Moulin Rouge track would also take out awards at the MTV Music Awards for Best Video. Even the original artist Patti LaBelle said she loved the new revamped version and it became the third time in the song's history that it went to number one with three different artists including the girl group All Saints. After the reasonable success of the first album, Pink was determined to do things her own way in order to fulfil her music and songwriting passion. It was a risk but she was determined to break out of the pop star mould that had seen her be compared to rivals Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears by the media, which Pink despised. Pink longed to be different and have her own brand that set herself apart. She would achieve this through challenging LA Reid to allow her to do the next album her way and show her true personality and raw talent. LaFace Records wanted the album to be another R&B record, as the last one had sold reasonably well for a debut, so he thought why change a good thing and jeopardise the fan base she had built. But Pink stood tall and stayed strong. She told Reid that she respects what he is saying, but no, it was to be her way this time. In mid-2001, Pink assigned a new personal manager named Roger Davies after being unhappy with the lack of control she had over her last album. Davies would help to persuade LaFace Records to allow Pink more creative freedom, 
Davies was a highly successful manager from Australia who had managed artists like Olivia Newton-John, Sher, Tina Turner and Janet Jackson, just to name a few. And he would remain as Pink's manager to this current day with the two having a fantastic working relationship. Pink got to work on writing songs for her next album but would contact her childhood idol, Linda Perry from the Four Non Blondes to see if she wanted to collaborate on the album. Linda says she remembers receiving a voice message from Pink with her screaming down the phone in excitement and singing Linda's song, What's Up. Linda agreed to work with Pink after years of being out of the spotlight and Pink moved into Linda's LA home to write the album over a number of months. It was a dream come true for Pink as the two got to work on the album with Linda seated at the piano she asked Pink to describe her mood and tell me what you're feeling. Pink came up with a range of deep and touching songs, ranging from many hard times in her life. The angst and anguish of Pink's childhood came out when writing with Linda, and it helped her process the pain she had endured and carried for many years. The two had produced such a deep and raw emotional album that would connect with so many worldwide. As Pink was during the process of recording a new album, in August 2001, Pink would meet a professional freestyle motocross rider named Kerry Hart at the X Games in Philadelphia. It would be a rocky start to their relationship, with Kerry falling off his motorbike mid-air after attempting a backflip, injuring himself significantly on impact with the ground. He received a badly bruised tailbone, several broken bones and broken ribs. He had unsuccessfully attempted the trick a year earlier and was attempting to become the first person in history to do a backflip on a motorbike. Pink remembers saying to her friends, It's a shame, he was cute, remind me never to date motocross riders. Weeks later they became an item after Pink had visited him and spent a number of nights in hospital with him. She says she was attracted to his bad boy antics and felt bad for him after his accident. Pink at the time was 22 while Carey was 26. Carey was born and raised in Las Vegas and was raised by his father with his brother after his parents had also divorced when he was young. He began riding professionally at age 18, breaking many bones along the way. At the age of 22, Pink would have a hilarious run-in with a childhood crush of hers, John Bon Jovi. She explained to John that at the age of 8, she had posters on all of her walls of him and had a crush on him but was heartbroken when she found out that he'd gotten married. After this, John Bon Jovi jokingly sent her a bunch of flowers and a pair of his legendary leather pants, with a note saying, Now you can finally get into my pants. Pink thought the gesture was hilarious, but Carey, not so much, as he opted to have them thrown out instead. On October 9, 2001, the first single from the album Misunderstood was released called Get the Party Started. The high-energy pop rock tune was originally written by Linda Perry and was almost given to Madonna, but she knocked it back. Linda believed it didn't suit her own style of music either, so for all these years she didn't know what to do with it, but thought it had the potential to be a hit for the right person. When Linda played it for Pink, she instantly loved it, and it was like the song was always written for her, as it suited her perfectly. The track went to number one in Australia and New Zealand and several other countries. It went to number two in the UK and number four in the US. The track was accompanied by a great music video showing off Pink's cheeky personality and party girl persona. It is the first time we see her without the pink hair in a music video. As she reverts back to her original blonde hair, she is seen in a memorable and iconic image in front of a red, orange and white LED light round window rocking in a black attire and gold chains. The track would go on to win Pink five awards and a nomination at the Grammys for Best Vocal Performance. 
after Get the Party Started literally did just that. The album Misunderstood was released on the 20th of November 2001. It went to number one in Ireland, number two in the UK, number six in the US and number 14 in Australia, while charting in the top 10 in another eight countries. Misunderstood sold 5.6 million copies in the US alone and 220,000 copies in its first week, with a total of 13 million copies sold worldwide. The album would go six times platinum in the UK, five times platinum in the US and four times platinum in Australia and was critically acclaimed with both critics and fans jumping on board this time around. Pink would release her second single Don't Let Me Get Me on the 19th of December 2001, with the pop rock song going to number one in New Zealand, number six in the UK and number eight in both Australia and the US, but was number one on the US airplay charts in relation to radio plays. The lyrics in the track are pretty self-explanatory, as Pink makes references to hating being compared to Britney Spears, her difficulties with her parents, getting involved in fights, battling with her identity and being herself, struggling whether to conform to being like others, self-hate or loathing, and how L.A. Reid told her you have to change everything. He would later deny that he ever said this, and took the dig at him as a light joke. The music video depicted her as a schoolgirl battling with her own image as she shadow boxes and sings into the graffiti filled bathroom mirror longing to be a star. Towards the end of the video she returns to the school as a fully fledged rock star and performs for the next generation of teenage dreamers like Pink herself was when she was young. It was a great video that provides an insight into her school life troubles and image problems growing up into a young woman and the longing to be a singer songwriter with her own star image. On June 10th, 2002, Pink released her third single from Misunderstood called Just Like a Pill. The lyrically powerful rock song speaks about the time she overdosed as a 15 year old and dealing with painful relationships with a number of individuals. Deep lyrics such as, I'm lying here on the floor where you left me, I think I took too much, depict the severity of the drug issues at the time and time she overdosed. It went to number one in the UK and Scotland and made the top 10 in 11 countries including the US at number 8. In Australia it was released as a radio only single in hopes of boosting album sales even further as it was only available on the album. It still managed to go platinum in Australia and charted number one on the radio charts. The music video features pink with black punk emo style hair with pink streaks as she shows what her trips look like as a 15 year old with people strung about the place having sex and taking drugs. It paints a grim but realistic image of what her troubled life as a young teen looked like. Her final single release for the album would come on the 17th of December 2002. It was titled Family Portrait and featured an image of her with her brother and parents on the front of the single's cover when she was a child. The track was Pink's deepest lyric yet and gave her a reputation as being a great lyricist and deep and honest writer. Family Portrait spoke about her troubles dealing with the divorce and separation of her parents when she was just nine as she pleads for things to go back to how happy they looked in the family portrait in question. The song speaks about her parents fighting over money and the kids, Pink not wanting step-siblings and her mother changing her last name. The deep lyrics hit home for many as Pink sings, Mama, please stop crying. I can't stand the sound. Your pain is painful and it's tearing me down. I hear glasses breaking as I sit up in my bed. I told Dad you didn't mean those nasty things you said. You fight about money, about me and my brother. And this I come home to. This is my shelter. 
It ain't easy growing up in World War Three, Never knowing what love could be, you'll see. I don't want love to destroy me like it has done my family. Pink tries to hold on to false hope that it can be resolved, as understandably a young child would feel, as Pink sings, We can work it out. Can we be a family? I promise I'll be better. Daddy, please don't leave. In our family portrait, we look pretty happy. Let's play pretend. Let's act like it comes naturally. Such raw and emotional lyrics from a tragic and heart-wrenching situation. When writing the track, Pink began sobbing, and writing the track was a great form of therapy to get all of it out of a system. Pink revealed in an interview, that was from a poem that I wrote when I was nine, when my dad left. My mum cried for four days when she heard it. I've seen my dad cry three times, and that was one of them. That was awful. And then my stepmum cried. She's so strong. She was an army nurse in Vietnam, and I'd never seen her cry. That was a song I wrote for me, and I didn't realise how much it was going to hurt them. Most likely, Family Portrait would have been one of the many dark poems her mother had found Alicia writing when Pink was much younger, around the time of their divorce. The music video for Family Portrait features a female actor representing a mini version of Pink being caught in the middle of all the fighting and chaos of a dysfunctional family home as Pink plays the role of her mother. Family Portrait would go to number two in Romania and charted within the top ten amongst several countries, including New Zealand, but only peaked at number eleven in Australia and the UK despite its popularity on radio in these countries and arguably being her best song she had written yet. The song was such a well-written and openly brave song, and the album itself would go down as one of her most popular and critically acclaimed albums due to its rawness and Pink's ability to draw on her experiences from her parents' divorce, her rebellious behaviour, her battle with her own self-image, and her transition into stardom. The song would hit hard with her parents, especially her mother, as they didn't realise just how much damage they have caused. In other tracks featured on the album, Linda Perry would provide vocals on the track Lonely Girl with Aerosmith's lead vocalist Steve Tyler and Bon Jovi guitarist Richie Sambora featuring on the track Misery. The song Respect was a funky R&B style track featuring DJ Scratch and was written by Pink and Linda Perry about men needing to show respect to women and stop treating them like objects for them to harass and use. Another deep song called Dear Diary talks about Pink's diary as a young woman being her only friend at the time, as she tells it all of her secrets and admits to being a bad girl. She makes references to her guardian angel tattoo on her shoulder, her overdose, and how daddy's sweet and innocent girl changed when he left the family home after her parents' divorce. The raw and emotional tracks didn't stop there and continued with the title, Eventually, that speaks about the lack of untrustworthy people in the world and how they will deceive you no matter how hard you try. It also speaks of karma eventually catching up to a certain individual that had done her wrong. The song Numb speaks of the feeling a relationship has left her with, which is also said to be linked to the track Eventually. While the song My Vietnam was inspired by her dad's experiences during the Vietnam War, the track provides a great insight into Pink's feelings of being at war herself as she drew similarities from the ugly divorce of her parents. As she sings, Daddy was a soldier. He taught me about freedom, peace and all the great things that we take advantage of. Once I fed the homeless, I'll never forget. I look upon their faces as I treated them with respect. And this is my Vietnam. I'm at war. Life keeps on dropping bombs and I keep score. 
Mama was a lunatic. She liked to push my buttons. She said I wasn't good enough, but I guess I wasn't trying. Never liked school that much. They tried to teach me better, but I just wasn't hearing it because I thought I was already pretty clever. In relation to the line calling her mother a lunatic, Pink's mother Judith was extremely upset with her for including this line. Pink wrote this song shortly after her parents' divorce. Pink would co-write a total of 11 of 14 tracks with Linda Perry for the album, and overall the album was praised for Pink's ability to be honest and share her troubles with the public through song. In 2002, a song that Pink and Linda Perry wrote together, called If You're Going to Fly Away, featured on Faith Hill's album titled Cry. In that same year, Pink won a World Music Award for Best Selling Pop Rock Female Artist. She toured as a support act in the US with Lenny Kravitz and headlined her own tour called The Party Tour, travelling to Australia, Europe and North America. Pink was given full control over the tour, including staging and opening acts, as well as travelling with an all-female band called Candy Ass, and covered songs from some of her favourite artists such as Janis Joplin, Aerosmith, Four Non Blondes, Guns N' Roses and Mary J Blige. In October 2002, Pink even received a reference in Australian band The Android's top 5 hit, Do It With Madonna, as they make references to the hottest female artists in the business at the time, from Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Kylie Minogue and Pink, in relation to their humorous infatuation with Madonna. Years later, Pink would choose The Androids as a support act while touring Australia and was one of the only artists referenced in the track to see the funny side. Pink chose to stick to a simple setup to save costs for a tour and only played concert halls and clubs that held around 3,000 people to begin with, as she said she preferred the more intimate style of performing. After touring from May 2002 to December across the US, Europe, the UK, Japan, Australia and New Zealand, Carrie and Pink began to experience serious relationship troubles, as the time spent apart while touring became too much for the couple. Pink reached breaking point in London as she sat in a bathroom stall crying on the phone to Carey, asking him to say I love you, but Carey couldn't bring himself to do it, so the two ended the relationship and it was confirmed in 2003 that they had in fact split up. Pink would carry on for the rest of the tour, feeling alone and insecure. After 56 shows, Pink returned to the US around Christmas time without Carey to greet her. On June 23rd, 2003, Pink would feature in the soundtrack for the new Charlie's Angels film with a badass dance punk rock tune called Feel Good Time with William Orbit. The track went to number 2 in Scotland, number 3 in the UK and number 7 in Australia where it sold the most copies. The music video features Pink repping her new look black spiky hair for the change of style for a new album. In August 2003, Carey would successfully complete a backflip on his motorbike in the LAX Games, earning him a silver medal. But it would be during 2003 also that Carey would have his worst injury yet at a Tony Hawk event where he and a skater had mistimed their jumps forcing Carey to change direction and landing into a scaffolding to avoid a collision. He broke both of his arms and legs and suffered blood clotting during surgery. Pink rushed to his side, but it wasn't enough to reunite the two as lovers. During this time, Pink was 23 years old and had been linked to a range of relationships with stars such as Kid Rock, known for the hit All Summer Long, Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee, and even female Terminator 3 actor Christina Loken. Pink admitted that she had short relationships during this time, but tried to stay out of the tabloids as she didn't want Carrie to get hurt. 
Pink moved on to her next project, releasing Try This as her next album on the 11th of November 2003. The album was praised by critics, but didn't do nearly as well sales-wise as Misunderstood. Despite this, it had minor successes with hits like Trouble and God is a DJ. It sold 147,000 copies in its first week and 2.7 million albums worldwide and charted at number one in Switzerland, number two in Germany and Austria, number three in the UK, number eight in Australia where it went two times platinum and number nine in the US. Pink had a hand in writing every song on the album, writing alongside Tim Armstrong from punk rock band Rancid. Pink tried to capture a more rock-centred approach to the album, shying away from the mainstream pop style, and the two wrote the 10 songs they collaborated on in just one week. It also featured two songs that Pink had written with Linda Perry before the two had a falling out. It would also be her last album being signed to Arista Records, as she had had enough of the pressure they put her under after Misunderstood. Pink would walk out of half of her interviews in tears and said it was an awful time for her, so she told them out of anger, I'll give you an album within a week and you can put it out. Try This was a way of Pink rebelling against the record company for not allowing her more control over her output and it became her first album to feature a warning explicit content label. In relation to her treatment by the label, Pink said, I just felt they were putting a quarter into the slot to watch the monkey dance. On September the 8th, 2003, Pink released a sexy badass hit titled Trouble. It peaked at number 2 in Canada, number 5 in Austria, Norway and Switzerland, number 7 in the UK and number 8 in Australia, but failed to crack the US top 50. The song was originally intended to feature on Tim Armstrong's band Rancid's album, but it didn't make the cut, so he and Pink rewrote the song to suit Pink and it became a hit for her. It was received quite well by critics, especially in relation to the rest of the album, as it had quite a catchy hook and guitar riff. One thing was for sure, and that was the music video being a brilliant one. It depicts a strong, confident and rebellious Pink riding into an old western town on horseback before beating up the seedy locals for both being cruel to animals and being unfaithful, in a burlesque-style black and red dress and small top hat. Pink had also once again dyed her hair blonde, which would become her new regular look. It was a regular fixture on the music video television shows back in 2003, and was played heavily on radio for years to come, and would feature in a range of movies and TV shows. The music video also shows a grave with the name Corky, which is a direct reference to Pink's childhood dog, Corky, who died when she was just 14, and she decided to get a tattoo in his honour during 2003. While the members of the Pussycat Dolls also make a cameo as the burlesque dancers in the bar scene. In the new year, on January 24, 2004, Pink would release the second single from the album called God Is A DJ. It achieved its highest charting success in the Netherlands at number 6 and the UK at number 11, but the dance rock tune did quite poorly elsewhere. The song speaks about doing the best with what you are given, letting go and enjoying life, and how music is basically Pink's religion in regards to the lyrics. If God is a DJ, life is the dance floor, love is a rhythm, you are the music. In February 2004, Pink embarked on the Try This tour, performing 68 shows across the UK, Europe and Australia, making an estimated 32 million in front of crowds around 11,000 strong and returning home in August that year. The final single from the album was called Last To Know and was limited to Europe and the US as a physical single around April to June of 2004. 
It was released as a digital download via iTunes in Australia and only charted as a radio hit there. It achieved its highest success in Belgium inside the top 10, but it charted outside the top 20 elsewhere. The song was allegedly written about a combination of a relationship breakdown and Pink's falling out with Linda Perry after she had been working with Pink's rival Christina Aguilera behind her back. This deeply hurt Pink as she felt betrayed and jealous and Linda had always been a massive influence on her career. Linda would go on to work with Christina for a number of years, writing Beautiful, Candyman, Hurt and Keeps Getting Better for the pop star and she would also write the hit What You Waiting For for Gwen Stefani. The breakdown between Linda and Pink happened prior to the album's release, after Pink had asked if Linda wanted to collaborate for her third album, but Linda said no as she was working with Christina. Linda believed Pink wouldn't open up to her anymore, and believed that Pink wasn't ready to make a third album yet. The two tried to write songs together for Try This, but it was too late and there was too much bad blood between the two, forcing them to part ways. Linda was also opposed to the more punk rock style that Pink had adopted for the album, which also drove a rift between the two. Other notable tracks on the album include the beautiful ballad titled Love Song, where Pink delivers some great lyrics as she sings, I've never written a love song that didn't end in tears. Maybe you'll rewrite my love song if you can replace my fears. I need your patience and guidance and all your loving and more. When thunder rolls through my life, will you be able to weather the storm? Other tracks include the bluesy last song Pink wrote with Linda Perry titled Catch Me While I'm Sleeping. The song that speaks about travelling the world on tour as a rock star titled Humble Beginnings and a personal track that was Pink's favourite from the album titled Unwind which Pink originally intended to write about her idol Janis Joplin until realising the song was actually more relatable to herself. The hard rocking tune titled Try Too Hard was also a fan favourite that could have been a strong single while the track Save Myself appears to be sung in the third person from Pink's perspective as she sings about battling addiction, having success despite being unhappy, touring and once having a good man that she let slip away, perhaps referring to Carrie and needing him to save her life. The lyrics read, she's back on drugs again even though she knows it ain't right. She can't even call up her friends and say, Help me save my life. She's so ashamed of herself that she's come full circle. Nobody understands what it's like to be this girl. So she disappeared and she wasn't clear and she didn't say where she was going. Pink then sings the chorus as she repeats the line, Save my life, won't you help me? Before continuing with, She had the man of her dreams and some success and she was so happy and looking well. It was this one dark night that she slipped and then the next morning that she felt like a piece of shit. So she's hanging out and she's with the crowd and she's traveling where the wind is blowing. Another underrated track titled Walk Away also appears to be about Carrie and their turbulent up and down relationship as Pink sings, you throw your hands up and walk away when the times get hard, you always walk away. You get mad and say you're leaving. Why is it so hard for you to talk to me, when it's so easy for you to walk away? Pink wraps up the album with a hidden bonus track titled Hooker, which appears to be written in angst about her dispute with her record label, treating her like a money-making machine by forcing their needs as a company upon her, as she refers to herself when she sings, You ain't nothing but a hooker selling your fucking soul. 
In 2005, Pink and Carey reunited and had remained in contact for some time over the years and decided to go away together on a motocross weekend to rekindle their relationship as they still had strong feelings for one another. During a competitive race, Pink was watching Carey when she proposed as she had made up a sign saying, Will you marry me? As Carey rode around the track, he didn't notice the sign on his first lap, but noticed it the second time, as he locked up the brakes on the bike and skid off to the side of the track and said, Are you serious? In disbelief before happily accepting the proposal, with Pink sending him on his way to finish the race. The newly engaged couple returned home and Pink was ready to return to the studio to record and write her fourth studio album. Before the release of her next album, Pink and Kerry would get married on the 7th of January 2006 in Costa Rica on a beach that was described as a perfect wedding. Pink was the now Alicia Beth Moore Carey. Pink got to work in the studio writing for her own album and featured on a song for Buck 22 called Take a Picture and two tracks for the daughter of Elvis Presley, Lisa Marie Presley, called Shine and Now What. On the 7th of February 2006, exactly one month after getting married to Kerry, Pink released her first single called Stupid Girls from her new upcoming album. The reggae-style pop song was a big hit across the world, going number one in Finland and Hungary, and reached the top 10 in 17 countries including the UK, New Zealand and Australia, where it went platinum. Stupid Girls speaks about the lack of good role models in society today and the condemning of sexism and the importance of being an intelligent, unique and strong woman. Pink takes a stab at singers like Jessica Simpson, Paris Hilton, Mary-Kate Olsen, Nicole Ritchie, Hilary Duff, Fergie and Lindsay Lohan, which is evident in the great music video produced for the track parodying many of these stars' controversial moments, while also highlighting the ridiculous things impressionable young ladies will be brainwashed into, such as getting plastic surgery, spray tans and having poor body image. American rapper 50 Cent also features on the track and appears in the music video. The song was praised for its positive message about body image by author J.K. Rowling and it received a Grammy nomination in 2007 and won Best Video at the MTV Music Awards. Pink was quoted on the track as saying, I'm all about options and alternatives and choices. There's such a lack of tolerance for diversity in the world as it is that I thought it would help if the rest of the women and the rest of the girls were represented as well. If it could be like, if I'm smart and I read a lot of books and I spend my money on charity instead of shoes, I could be in the tabloids too, or I could be important, or I could have a cuter boy, or I could change the world. You know, you need examples when you're young. Stupid Girls was also released with a B-side titled Heartbreaker, which was yet again written about her relationship with Kerry and her insecurities over his love for her. On the 4th of April 2006, Pink would release I'm Not Dead as her fourth studio album. It was seen as a return to her best with well-written pop songs, detailing more issues in her life, especially those with Kerry. The album sold 6 million copies worldwide, with the US and UK combined making half of those sales, and went 11 times platinum in Australia, selling over 770,000 copies. It went to number one in five countries, including Australia and New Zealand, while peaking at number three in the UK and six in the US. It spent a total of 62 weeks in the top 10 of the album charts in Australia, with six of her tracks from the album becoming a top five hit in the country. On the 8th of May, the track titled Who Knew would be released as the next single, reaching its highest position in Australia at number two and charting in the top 10 in another five countries, including the UK and US. 
going platinum in all three countries and twice in Australia. The song spoke about the loss of a good male friend passing away through drug abuse and overdosing. On one particular day, Pink had found her friend dead when she was just 14 after he had overdosed, as she recalls it being a dark time where she attended his funeral and most attending were just kids themselves. She says it should have been a wake-up call, but she herself would go on to do the same at 15 years of age. The music video depicts a similar story, although it details a teenage couple's loving relationship before it gets torn apart by her boyfriend's drug problems. Who Knew would go down as one of Pink's favourite songs of that time, and personally for Pink, it takes on other meanings now in relation to a relationship with Carrie and also the death of friendship. In late June 2006, Pink embarked on what would become her longest tour yet, as she would wrap it up over a year later, in September 2007. She performed a total of 138 shows, beginning in North America, travelling to Europe, Australia, a second leg in Europe before travelling to Dubai, and wrapping up in South Africa. On August 28th, Pink released her third single from her fourth studio album, called You In Your Hand. The lyrics are aimed at the sleazy men that would grope and flirt with her in clubs when she was just there to have a good time. One man in particular became so obsessed with her that it drove her to write the song after hearing him say, I guess it's just me and my hand tonight. Funnily enough, it would become the second song on the album about masturbation, as the track Fingers also spoke about this. The lyrics clearly highlight Pink's want to have a carefree, enjoyable night with her friends, until it's ruined as she sings, At the door, we don't wait cause we know them. At the bar, six shots just beginning. That's when Dickhead puts his hands on me. She goes on to say, I'm not here for your entertainment. As the lyrics really push home a statement that women shouldn't feel like targets being preyed on when they go out. The track You In Your Hand would cause her problems when performing on American Idol, with the showrunners deciding the track was too racy, as they had asked her to change the lyric to You In Your Heart Tonight. Pink was quoted as saying, You want me to rewrite my song for you? For American fucking idol, what does that even mean? How do you even have sex with your heart? A frustrated Pink refused to change her song and chose to perform Who Knew instead. You and Your Hand went to number one in Hungary and the Czech Republic, number five in Australia, nine in the US and ten in the UK. It was clear by this stage that Pink had developed a worldwide name for herself, having number one hits in a range of countries, while Australia would become the country where she would consistently chart well, as You and Your Hand would go double platinum there. Pink's fourth single, Nobody Knows, was released in November of 2006 in the UK and later released to the rest of the world in January 2007. It would only manage to reach the top 20 in a handful of countries, but despite this, it went gold in Australia and was a beautifully written track that talks about her struggles with depression over the years and feeling like nobody understands or even knows how much she is struggling, while also feeling like she isn't allowed to show it in the music industry. The track clearly shows off her beautiful raspy voice and ability to perform a bluesy style ballad. Pink also states it's her most vulnerable track on the whole album. Pink's next single, Dear Mr. President, was an amazing acoustic rock protest song about the injustice President George Bush was serving on the American public. Most significantly, in relation to the Iraq War, No Children Left Behind Act, opposition to gay rights and marriage, and his approach to equality in relation to middle, lower class and the African American people in the States. 
It served as an open letter to President Bush, criticising his lack of empathy and how he sleeps at night after being so cruel to everyday people. It went to number one in Belgium and Austria and finished in the top five in five countries, including Australia, where it went double platinum. Accompanied by the Indigo Girls, in this track, Pink would perform live at Wembley in an iconic performance that would become the official music video. As she was seated on stage wearing a white bandana, she delivered every note beautifully as a large screen displayed distressing images of the themes the song talks about. The lyrics are strong and angsty as she sings, How can you say no child is left behind? We're not dumb and we're not blind. They're all sitting in your cells while you pave the road to hell. And what kind of father would take his own daughter's rights away? And what kind of father might hate his own daughter if she were gay? She goes on to talk about hard work being those struggling as a single mother on a minimum wage and people living on the streets. This incredibly moving track would go down as a personal favourite for Pink and many of her fans as she shed light on many issues that firmly need addressing by the US government at the time. Pink caused lots of controversy surrounding the song and appeared on the Jimmy Kimmel show saying, I have to thank you so much because you're the only person that's not afraid of letting me sing Dear Mr. President. I can't even speak about it on radio. Pink would release her final single for I'm Not Dead in March of 2007, titled Leave Me Alone, I'm Lonely, becoming a big hit in Australia, going platinum, and New Zealand going gold, and charting at number 5. It failed to chart well in the UK and wasn't released to the US at all. The track talks about Pink's struggles with her indecisiveness and being a hypocrite, while also dealing with a clingy lover, most likely being Kerry. It would become the first song that Pink would perform to while doing aerial manoeuvres or ribbons live on the Funhouse tour. On the 4th of October 2007, Pink would release the track titled Cause I Can after it became increasingly popular. It became a radio airplay hit in Australia, reaching number 2 on the airplay chart and number 9 in New Zealand on their radio chart. It was a highly successful digital single, also most notably in Australia where it went gold. The song is a fun pop rock tune where Pink labels herself a hypocrite sometimes and a walking contradiction in relation to things she says and does involving her fame and fortune. The album also features a number of deep and emotional tracks including a track called Long Way to Happy that talks about sexual abuse which she wrote about at the age of 13 as she knew of many girls that had been abused or molested as well as herself as she stated at the time. I know a lot of people that have been abused and or molested and or fucked over by someone close to them, and I'm no exception, and that's the song. The track Runaway speaks about the night she would run away from home, taking a sleeping bag and pillow, and sneaking out the window, dreaming of breaking away from a troubled home life. The song was confronting for her mother to hear, and she would always struggle with lyrics directed at her as a parent. Pink said in relation to the song, it's been especially hard for my parents, hearing me write about things they never knew about. My mum's like, were you really that angry? Was I really that in denial? Was I really that bad of a parent? No mum, you were great. You didn't try to run me over with your car. I made it up. But by writing all of it down and sharing it with the world, I've broken with most of it. Another moving but sad track that details this tragic period of her life includes conversations with my 13 year old self where Pink saw it as a huge therapy session, as she wrote it as she sings to her younger self. Come over here and let me hold your hand and hug you, darling. I promise that you won't always feel this bad. There are so many things that I want to say to you, 
you're the girl I used to be. You little heartbroken 13 year old me. She also said, I needed a hug and I get it now. If I tried to hug my 13 year old self, she'd try to kick my ass and then she'd collapse and cry. It's evident that Pink has many demons from her childhood that she still deals with today. The song titled I've Got Money Now speaks sarcastically about not needing anyone anymore, as she now has money but has realised her dream isn't all it's cracked up to be sometimes, despite having all the money she needs in the world. The album also includes a bonus track called I Have Seen The Rain and was written by Pink's father while he was off fighting in the Vietnam War. Both Pink and her father recorded it together for the album, as Pink described the process as she said, He was so nervous, it was the most adorable experience for a father and daughter to share. The theme of the album overall is self-reflective and shows Pink's inner protester. Pink once again would write all songs on the album except for her own father's song, and it was full of some of her best and most successful work to date. During 2007, Pink would star as a co-lead actor for her first film appearance in the horror titled Catacombs, which follows Carolyn, played by Pink, navigating her way through the French catacombs with a killer in pursuit of her and her friends. Pink would go on to tour in support for Justin Timberlake on his American leg of his future sex love show tour, and she also worked with artists such as Annie Lennox, Hilary Duff and Natalia co-writing songs for their next albums and vocalising on the track called Sing with Annie Lennox. After returning in September from tour, Carrie and Pink's relationship had again been tested substantially and had taken its toll once again on the couple. The two had been meeting in hotel rooms around the world every five to six weeks, which took a severe toll on the two. Pink felt very alone on tour and Carrie missed her when she was away. When she returned from tour, they went on a holiday together with Pink's friends, and the two were in a bad place and being nasty to one another. She penned a song with her male friend called Mean that would feature on her next album and included the lyrics, How Did We Get So Mean? writing and singing the song right in front of Carrie, which was quite awkward. After returning from holiday, things didn't get much better, and it was officially announced that on the 14th of February, Valentine's Day 2008, the couple had once again split up for a second time. Pink's worst nightmare had come to fruition, after fearing this day since her parents' divorce as a child. Pink once again would turn to music to heal her pain. She got deep into her emotions and started writing songs in mind for her next album, which was set to become one of her biggest yet. She wrote around 35 songs and had the hard task of cutting the album down to just 12. Pink released an Australian-only promotional single titled Ave Mary A that featured heavily on radio, reaching number 10 on the radio charts and got Australian fans so excited for the release that radio stations around the country started leaking the first official single from the album called So What four days before it was set for release, providing it with loads of airplay. So What would be officially released worldwide on the 11th of August 2008, and it would become Pink's biggest hit yet, going straight to number one in 14 countries, including Australia, New Zealand, the UK and the US, and the top five in another eight countries. The mega rock hit selling over 4.6 million copies in the US, and going six times platinum in Australia, selling upwards of 500,000 copies finishing the year as the second biggest track of the year behind Flowrider's Low. The song details the frustration over Pink's relationship breakdown and breakup with her husband Carrie and convincing herself that she is fine without him. The music video would make the song even more popular as it now stands at 357 million views on YouTube. 
It depicts Pink's ever-present humorous side as it features a crazed Pink with frizzy blonde hair riding down the street on a ride on lawnmower in traffic while drinking, rebelling by getting tattoos, starting fights, streaking, trashing cars and cutting down a tree engraved with Alicia Loves Carrie with a chainsaw. She makes a hilarious reference to former fling Tommy Lee and her actual husband Carrie makes an appearance towards the end. The two, despite being separated, were still close and the record label insisted on releasing So What as the first single, so Pink told them as long as Carrie can be in the music video, as she wanted to lessen the blow to Carrie, as she still cared for him, as some of the lyrics were hurtful and directed at him. It shocked the media and basically gave them no fuel to suggest bad blood between the two, which reduced the pressure on the couple. Pink admitted to missing Carrie and said it was a good excuse to see him again, but it was awkward. Pink was quoted as saying, regarding the song, At first I was kind of irked, because everyone was like, Well wait, I thought the split was amicable, and now she's talking shit about him. What the fuck, it's hypocritical. But once everyone saw the video and saw that Carrie was in it, it shut everybody up. Carrie hadn't heard the song before he did the video. That's how much he trusts and loves me. He pretty much just rolls his eyes, throws his hands up in the air, and hugs me. He gets it. He gets me. The two of them were nervous to see each other again, but they would keep in regular contact and the two would meet again several months later to discuss where they were headed as a couple. Pink's fifth studio album, called Funhouse, was officially released on the 24th of October, 2008. It went to number one in seven countries, including Australia, New Zealand and the UK. It went to number two in the US, Canada and Germany, and made the top five in several other countries. It debuted at number one in Australia, selling over 86,000 copies in just its first week and eventually going 11 times platinum there. It cemented her status as a megastar in the country and Australians couldn't get enough of her. It would go on to sell over 7 million copies worldwide. On November 4th, 2008, Pink would release yet another big hit called Sober. It peaked at number six in Australia, nine in the UK and 15 in the US and went four times platinum in Australia and two times platinum in the US. The song was about a feeling Pink had one day, as the lyrics state, How do I feel this good sober? She says it's a personal but beautiful song that is one of her favourites and she wanted a guitar riff that gave it a dark lonely feeling. The song highlights a range of vocal techniques with high and low vocals and long drawn out consistent notes and regular pauses for effect. She co-wrote the song with a group of songwriters, and the lyrics tell of a strange feeling of being sober when you were so used to being reliant on alcohol and drinking, which had been a regular in Pink's life previously until this point. Pink recalls the moment where she realised the shame of it all when she held her own house party and didn't even want to be there or have anyone there, so she ventured down to the beach on her own to escape the noise when the chorus came into her head. She said the song also represents always needing a vice to lean on, such as drugs, other people, music and alcohol, in order to get on with life. The music video depicts the harsh reality of the lyrics displaying the lifestyle Pink had been living. Pink would be nominated for Best Pop Vocal at the Grammys in 2010, losing out to Beyonce with her song Halo. Pink and Kerry began seeing each other again as friends, and on New Year's, the two were set to sign divorce papers, but opted to get back together instead, and started afresh in the new year of 2009, undergoing marriage counselling, and soon announcing themselves in February as husband and wife once more. It would be an emotional but happy time for Pink, as she also reconnected with her mother, and the two are now closer than ever. 
On the 31st of January, it was fitting that Pink would release her third single from Funhouse called Please Don't Leave Me, after recently getting back together with Kerry. It reached the top 10 in a range of European countries, including Hungary, and peaked at number 11 in Australia and number 12 in the UK. It became a massive radio hit in Australia and New Zealand, going to number 1 on the airplay charts. Although it wasn't as successful as the previous two tracks, it was a beautiful and sad ballad that highlighted Pink's love-hate relationship with Carrie. The chorus itself talks about this as Pink sings, I always say how I don't need you, but it's always going to come right back to this. Please, don't leave me. Her voice again is at its best in this track, as it perfectly portrays the heartache and pain that she's in. The fourth single from the album called Bad Influence was released on May 8th, 2009 and wasn't nearly as successful around the world as it was in Australia, coming in at number 6 on the ARIA charts, where it went platinum and received tons of airtime in its first week. The fun party vibe was written about going to the bar with a group of friends and Pink being a bad influence on them and having too much of a good time. The song was also popular on German radio, reaching number 1 on their radio chart while also reaching number 12 on the New Zealand mainstream chart. While Pink's grip on the US and the UK started to slip with single releases, her ability to be successful time and time again in Australia was evident as she would chart at number 6 with the song Funhouse after it was released in August 2009. Funhouse again reflects on her split with Carrie and would feature as a great track to witness live on the Funhouse tour. In a statement made on her personal website, Pink revealed the meaning of the whole album in general, as well as the song itself, as she says, I look at life like a carnival. Clowns are supposed to be happy, but they are really scary. Carnivals are supposed to be fun, but really they are kind of creepy. But we go and we buy cotton candy and we force our laughter and we get on rides and we strap ourselves in and we do it. And that's like life to me and love. Love is supposed to be fun, but it can also sometimes be really scary. And the funhouse mirrors that make you look so distorted that you don't recognize yourself. And you ask yourself, how did I get here? How do I get out of here? But you think that you want to do it again. That is the same as love and life. It's a metaphor for being in love and for life. Originally, the album was going to be called Heartbreak is a Motherfucker due to a lot of the content relating to breakups, but that was rejected by the record label. Her sixth single from Funhouse was called I Don't Believe You, which struggled worldwide on the mainstream, although it still managed to go platinum in Australia. The chart performance didn't reflect the popularity of the song, as it was a main staple on radio for the rest of 2009 after its release in October, and eventually went platinum in Australia, selling over 70,000 copies. It was a lovely but heart-wrenching ballad that speaks again about Pink's trouble letting go of Kerry, as the lyrics say, I don't believe you when you say you don't love me anymore. It would be critically acclaimed as one of Pink's best vocal performances to date, Pink claims it is her favourite song of the whole album and made her cry the first time she heard it fully completed in the studio as she says, because it's just so naked, it's like taking a deep breath and saying, here I am, take me, take your best shot. She also says, the first thing that comes to my mind with I Don't Believe You is me standing in the vocal booth listening, actually in the control room listening to this song, tears running down my face, just like, fuck, really. It's the vulnerable, weak side of me that I don't let out very often. And I love it. I just love it. It's very near and dear to me. 
Other interesting and notable tracks on the album include One Foot Wrong, which Pink says is about an acid trip that went bad very quickly. She warns that, I used to be into a lot of crazy shit. Acid's the most awful drug ever. Don't take it. But that song is also about losing control and how easy it is to lose the plot in life and teeter on the edge. Pink would always be wary of these details in songs that may encourage her behaviours to rub off on her younger fans and would always ensure that she advocates not to do as she once did and would often attempt not to open up too much on the details due to this. The track title Crystal Ball is one of Pink's personal favourites and one that she is also proud of as she says, I recorded it in one take and we didn't mix it. It just went straight to master. It was all about a vibe and not about perfection or being polished. I just love that song and I love recording it. Pink also claims that during the recording process with Billy Mann, that if you listen carefully, you can hear him singing the words wrong. While the song It's All Your Fault relates to Pink blaming Kerry for not trying hard enough in their marriage, which is very similar to the track mentioned earlier titled Mean. Pink embarked on the Funhouse tour back in February of 2009 and performed in front of almost 1.5 million people over the course of 151 shows across the UK, Europe, the US and Australia. The tour brought in an estimated $150 million and was her most successful tour to date, performing at huge arenas around the world, which made it the perfect tour to include aerial manoeuvres with a range of ropes, harnesses, ribbons and sheets. Pink's ability to sing and perform acrobatic tricks and elegant moves in mid-air was nothing short of amazing. She captivated audiences and gave them their hard-earned money's worth. With elaborate stage design, Pink's high-energy performances and implementation of a range of dancers into the mix, it was something that many couldn't miss. Pink's Australian leg of the tour would become the biggest in history in the country, performing for over 660,000 Australians at 58 sold-out shows. The Funhouse tour receiving much praise and critical acclaim worldwide, Pink was clearly feeling the love and had realised her childhood dream had come true. This time Carrie would join her on tour and it worked much better for the pair, allowing them to enjoy the ride together. While on the Funhouse tour, Pink would always provide plenty of cover versions of her favourite artists, often singing What's Up by the Fawn on Blondes and Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, and dressing in Freddie's iconic yellow jacket during the performance as a tribute to the legend. Pink is described by her bandmates as caring, hilarious and strong, and an inspirational leader, and she is very close with them. In September 2009, Pink performed a live trapeze while performing sober at the MTV Music Awards. During the pause in the song after the lyric, I don't want to be the girl who has to fill the silence, she leaps grabbing the hands of her trapeze partner in a breathtaking stunt. In a previous live attempt, Pink had slipped but quickly recovered, but the crowd had hardly realised. Pink would undergo intense training to remain fit for her highly demanding performances. She would stay fit by going to the gym daily and working out on the treadmill and doing yoga to loosen up her body. The tour would eventually wrap up in December 2009. The final single from Funhouse was called Glitter in the Air and was released on the 31st of January 2010 after a Funhouse tour and debuted at the Grammy Awards where she performed an aerial manoeuvre and sung the song predominantly in the air. It was a beautiful performance as Pink spun around, laced in a white blanket of ribbon, as water and glitter poured from above, all without missing a note. It left the audience filled with tears as she received a standing ovation 
with onlookers such as Rihanna, Ringo Starr and many others standing in admiration for the performance. It would go on to be voted the best Grammy performance of all time. The song soon after charted in Canada at number 13 and the US in the top 20 on a range of mainstream, contemporary and radio charts. In May 2010, Pink embarked on a short tour called the Funhouse Carnival Tour, which took place across Europe and the UK over 38 shows. In June 2010, Pink would sing on an Eminem track titled I Won't Back Down that would feature on his 2010 album Recovery and featured in the video game Call of Duty Black Ops. Eminem brought Pink in as he knew she would smash the role, although it didn't manage to break the top 50 anywhere. On the 15th of July, just seven shows away from ending the tour, Pink performed in Nuremberg in Germany and it would end in disaster. As Pink was getting ready to be hoisted up into the air to perform So What, she was dragged off stage by a harness and bungee ropes, flinging her into the front row of the crowd. Pink could be seen in videos captured by fans of the fall, signalling that she wasn't ready, but she was let go of anyway via miscommunication. She could also be heard saying no 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 repeatedly as she was getting dragged with no other option but to fall off stage and land on the hard concrete floor below. It was a hard and awkward landing for the star as she was helped up by her dancers, her crew, Carrie and security before saying fuck that hurt through a microphone. The crowd were in shock, but many fans rushed to the front to see if she was okay, fearing the worst. Pink began apologising to her fans and was understandably embarrassed, urging her officials to hurry getting the harness removed, and remarked that she can't feel anything in her back. Unfortunately, Pink couldn't finish the last songs and managed to get up on stage and thank the fans for coming out while hunched over and in pain. Pink was taken to a local hospital for a checkup, but was cleared of any serious injuries, apart from bad bruising. Shortly after this, Pink would return from tour in July before momentarily disappearing from the celebrity spotlight, choosing to focus on her love life with Carrie and starting a family. This would be short-lived, however, as she released a smash hit called Raise Your Glass in promotion of a compilation album called The Greatest Hits So Far, which was set to be released in November of 2010. Raise Your Glass was released in October 2010 and soared to number one in the US, Australia, Czech Republic and Hungary. It also reached the top 10 in eight other countries including New Zealand and peaking at number 13 in the UK. The celebratory pop song was a monster hit in both Australia and the US, selling over 5 million copies between the two and going 6 and 5 times platinum respectively. Pink describes the song as a celebration for all the misfits, underdogs and the ones left out in a popular crowd, and a thank you to all of her loyal fans. The music video received rave reviews for its depiction of strong, inspiring women and standing up for the misfits, everyday people and even animals. Ranging from body image, cultural and ethnic backgrounds, punks or emos, animal cruelty and sexuality. It even features her husband Carrie as one of the misfits with the video clocking up 207 million views on YouTube to this day. The Greatest Hits So Far compilation was released under LaFace Records and Jive Records before it folded and became RCA Records. It went straight to number one in Australia and New Zealand and was highly successful worldwide, peaking at number five in the US and the UK and sold over five million copies worldwide. It included three new tracks, two of which would become massive hits for the pop rock megastar, and on the Australian version, Pink's original version of What Do You Want From Me, which she gave to American Idol runner-up Adam Lambert in November 2009 for his debut album after it didn't make the cut for Funhouse, 
with Lambert turning it into a popular hit, peaking at number four in Australia. In late November, Pink announced to the world on the Ellen DeGeneres show that Carrie and herself were expecting their first child together. On December 14th, 2010, the track titled Perfect, or also known as Fucking Perfect, was released as the second single, becoming another big hit, going to number two in the US, Poland, Hungary, Canada, and New Zealand charts, and reaching the top 10 in 10 other countries, including Australia, Germany, and the UK. It sold over 3 million copies in the US, and went three times platinum in Australia, Canada, and the US. Just weeks into Pink's pregnancy, she filmed the music video for Perfect, as a number of actors play the role seemingly similar to the life of Pink growing up, and the struggles she endured trying to fit in and be perfect, as the lyrics state, Mistreated, misplaced, misunderstood, miss no way, it's all good. It didn't slow me down, mistaken, always second guessing, underestimated, look I'm still around. The song was written originally for Carrie and then shifted towards her fans and her brother Jason. Jason was severely bullied as a child at school and Pink says it turned her into a fighter seeing what he went through. It would take on a fourth meaning when she found out she was pregnant with her first child and would direct part of the meaning of the song towards her daughter. The music video and song itself is both raw and powerful and would provide hope to many in a similar situation. The music video depicts bullying, depression, self-harm and even suicidal connotations and includes some confronting scenes. After the success of the compilation album and singles, Pink would again take time out with Carrie to focus on the impending birth of their first child. While pregnant, Pink revealed that she had always tried to eat vegetarian food since the age of 15, but the pregnancy made her crave chicken. On the 2nd of June 2011, Pink gave birth to a healthy baby girl, naming her Willow Sage Heart. While Pink was recovering, she began writing material and planning for her sixth studio album, The Truth About Love. She also began copying criticism off the media for putting on weight surrounding her pregnancy, which was a terrible and unfair act by the media to pester the new mother in such a personal time. Pink would also struggle to balance tour life and mum life, but would eventually organise a way to multitask, bringing her family on tour with her. Later that year, she also recorded a song for the Happy Feet 2 movie called Bridge of Light, which charted at number 26 in Australia, where it went gold. In 2012, Pink would have to cancel a fundraiser performance for President Barack Obama after being hospitalised, requiring the removal of her gallbladder. Pink had been once again working on new material for her sixth studio album, but before releasing her new album, Pink released two singles, the first being Blow Me One Last Kiss, which debuted on the 3rd of July 2012. It went to number one in Scotland, Hungary and Australia on both the Airplay and Aria charts, and it was a mega hit worldwide, reaching the top five in 10 countries, including the US and UK, selling over 2 million copies in the US and going four times platinum in Australia. She wrote the song as a breakup song, stylized on a previous hit, So What? It wasn't aimed at anyone in particular, she just thought it was a fun breakup tune. When asked where the song came from, if not about anyone, by Rolling Stone magazine, Pink replied, It's very easy for me to tap into Go Fuck Yourself. Maybe that's the only way I feel powerful. I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life. And I'd say it's 80% happiness and 20% sheer confusion and fear that I'll fuck it up somehow. I'm consumed by my emotions. The second single before the album release was titled Try and was released on the 6th of September 2012. 
the track was a beautiful rock ballad with a hard-hitting guitar riff that comes in and out accompanied by a beautiful piano melody. Pink's voice again is incredible in this track that is unbelievably moving, raw and emotional. Try went to number one in Spain and the US on the adult contemporary charts and made the top 10 in 21 countries including Australia at number 6, New Zealand at number 7, the US at number 9 and the UK at number 8. It sold over 2 million records in the US and went 5 times platinum in Australia, getting loads of radio airtime. It was originally penned for a range of potential artists including Kelly Clarkson, Daughtry and went as far as being recorded by Adam Lambert before Pink decided to keep the track for a Truth About Love album. Try is such a beautiful anthem that speaks about holding on to your dreams and never giving up on achieving them no matter how many times you fail. As Pink sings in the brilliant line, Where there is desire, there is going to be a flame. Where there is a flame, someone's bound to get burned. But just because it burns doesn't mean you're going to die. You've got to get up and try. Pink's mother fell in love with the song and it would be backed up by a strong music video featuring a back and forth relationship between Pink and a male dancer as Pink is covered in colourful paint in a remote desert type shack setting as the two dance elegantly like they are fighting but are still passionately in love. The video would eventually rack up 419 million views on YouTube. When Pink's mother was showing the video, she said, Well, honey, I'm speechless and uncomfortable. No one can ever say you play it safe. Pink would go on to perform the song live at the AMAs and the Grammys and reenact the film clip where she was praised by a range of celebrities for her spectacular performances once again. The Truth About Love album would become her sixth studio album and the best-selling album of 2012 in most countries and sold 7 million copies worldwide. Released on the 18th of September 2012, the album was again a big success worldwide, peaking at number one in eight countries including Australia, New Zealand and the US and managed to reach number two in the UK, Scotland and Ireland. The album went 9 times platinum in Australia, 6 times platinum in Canada, 4 times platinum in New Zealand, and 3 times platinum in the UK and US. Pink states that around the time of recording this album is when she quit smoking cigarettes, and she claims it drastically improved the quality of her voice, opting instead to just stick to the wine as she is a self-confessed fanatical wine critic. The biggest hit from the album came from the third single called Just Give Me A Reason that was released in February 2013. The ballad was a monster hit that featured Nate Ruiz of the band Fun, known for their hits such as Some Nights and We Are Young. Nate Ruiz and Pink provided a groundbreaking duet with their unique vocal styles, providing one of the best collaborations the world has seen in years. It went to number one in a whopping 21 countries, including the US, New Zealand and Australia. It became Pink's fourth number one in the US and sold over 5 million copies there. It went eight times platinum in Australia, selling over 600,000 copies. It would also make the top five across 10 countries, including the UK, coming in at number two. The music video was simply breathtaking and a major hit with the public, reaching 1.1 billion views via YouTube, the most Pink has received for one of her tracks. The music video included an appearance from Nate Ruiz singing alongside Pink and by coming through an old TV set, while Pink's husband Carrie appears in the clip also as he is seen being intimate with Pink on a floating mattress. The camera cuts between images of Pink drowning and being lonely and paints the message of the song and captures the tragedy of the two lovers trying to fall in love again. 
Pink was a big fan of Ruiz and chose him herself for the track, knowing the track needed a second voice to depict the other side of the story being told in the song. It was originally tough to get him onto the track though, as he was an independent artist and he was wary about upsetting his band and fans by performing with a big pop star. After months of convincing him and some trickery by Pink, Nate finally agreed. She claims along with Nate, Adele was her only other favourite voice at the time and that even Gotchair of the smash hit Somebody That I Used To Know almost got the gig. Pink claims it is a song she is very proud of. The song itself was written about something as simple as an argument over passing the butter at the dinner table, as Pink claimed in an interview for Spotify, but deeper meanings stem from a lack of affection the two show for one another at times. As Pink says in the song, You used to lie so close to me, there's nothing more than empty sheets between our love. But Pink stays hopeful of the two getting stronger as a couple, as she sings, We're not broken, just bent, and we can learn to love again. A year after its release, the duo won Best Collaboration at the 2014 MTV Music Awards and it was nominated for two Grammys. During February, Pink would embark on her sixth world tour called the Truth About Love Tour as she performed 142 shows across Europe, the UK, North America and Australia, performing her usual aerial acrobatics and high energy performances. Pink would break records in Australia, selling 320,000 tickets in the first hours of tickets being released and breaking the record for tickets sold as a solo artist in Australia, selling 650,000. She also broke her own record selling 250,000 tickets to her Melbourne shows at Rod Laver Arena. Pink sold out all of her Australian shows and broke the record at Rod Laver Arena for 18 sold out shows, breaking her previous record of 17 on her Funhouse tour. Pink would receive her own plaque at Rod Laver Arena backstage, a star at the entrance to the arena, and door 18 was painted pink in honour of her achievements. Pink would go on to break records in Perth and Sydney, clearly outlining just how much the Australian public appreciate and love Pink. She performed in front of almost 2 million people worldwide, bringing in $185 million at the box office. On June 28, 2013, Pink released the track True Love, featuring British artist Lily Allen. True Love went to number 5 in Australia, going two times platinum and managed to scrape into the top 20 in the UK at number 16, while also reaching number 14 in New Zealand. The track is clearly written about her husband Carey and talks about her love-hate relationship with him, but knowing it is without a doubt true love. The song points out the positives and negatives of a relationship in a happy and catchy way. The music video clearly depicting the loving relationship between the two as they playfully throw confetti at one another and double up on a push bike while their two-year-old daughter Willow also makes a number of appearances in the clip. The final two singles on the album called Walk of Shame and Are We All We Are were exclusive to certain countries and failed to chart successfully despite Walk of Shame going gold in Australia. It only reached number 60 on the ARIA charts. The album centred heavily around being a strong and proud woman with songs like We Are All We Are, Slut Like You and Walk of Shame depicting this as Pink sings about breaking down unfair stereotypes like when a man is labelled a player for sleeping around it's looked at humorously but if a woman is labelled a slut it's frowned upon to be one. The song Truth About Love sums up the album as a whole as she says The Truth About Love is one of my favourite songs on the record but I realised it also sums up my whole adventure in this lifetime. She said, 
I used to be really motivated to do really dangerous and stupid things for love, and I was really fearful of love. When I was a little girl, love meant fighting and bickering and losing your parents. But now love is also having a child and unconditional and beautiful, and with my husband, sexual. While she also added, the motivation for this album is love and all of the different shades of it. She said, dark, light, happy, sad, what love can motivate you to do, just all of it. Just exploring how much it can hurt and how much it can feel good. 2013 was a big year for Pink, as she also wrote two songs for sure called I Walk Alone and Lie To Me. Collaborated on a track called Guns N' Roses with American rapper T.I. that was successful in Australia, reaching number 15, and starred in the film Thanks For Sharing as a sex addict named Dee Dee alongside Gwyneth Paltrow and Mark Ruffalo. She was praised for her performance of Dee Dee and stood out amongst the star-studded cast. On January 14, 2014, Pink performed her last show on the Truth About Love tour before returning to the States with her family. Pink around this time had become one of the highest female earners in the world, ranking 9th. RCA Records also would extend Pink's contract for many years to come, with Pink being excited to stay on board. In March 2014, Pink would begin working on a project that she had been hoping to do for years alongside Canadian folk acoustic artist Dallas Green from the band City and Colour. The two met many years ago through a mutual friend, and the two toured together with Dallas as a support act. Green and Pink would call their collaboration You Plus Me, and name their first album Rose Ave. The album itself went to number one in Canada, where it went platinum, and on the US folk charts, and number two in Australia, where it went gold. The three singles released from the album were not commercially successful, but were praised by critics. The album is a mix of country, acoustic, folk and blues, and the album is quite peaceful and the two's voices together create a relaxing listen. Pink would again take a break, retreating back home to be with her family. In May 2015, Pink received the BMI President's Award to recognise her contribution to the music industry. Pink would then release a theme song for the Ellen DeGeneres show in August 2015 called Today's the Day but would remain relatively quiet despite being heavily active on social media, posting updates and images of her and her family in order to get the media off her back and prevent them from making up stories. On April 15, 2016, Pink released a single called Just Like Fire that featured on the soundtrack for the film Alice Through the Looking Glass. It would become nominated for a Grammy and went to number one in Australia going four times platinum and came in at number 10 in the US where it went platinum. It is the first time Pink has tried to rap in a song and she says her daughter inspired her to write the song. Pink would also write a track called Recovering for Celine Dion in July 2016 and she also featured on country music artist Kenny Chesney's track Setting the World on Fire where the song went to number one on the US and Canadian country music charts, going platinum in both countries. And after collaborating with Sia and a duo named Stargate on a track called Waterfalls that had reasonable success in Australia, Pink retreated back home once again to work on her seventh studio album and focus on her second pregnancy. On December 26, 2016, Pink and Carey welcomed into the world their second child and firstborn son, naming him Jameson Moon Hart. Now at the age of 38, Pink would release the first single from her upcoming album called What About Us on the 10th of August 2017. 
The protest dance track smashed its way to number one in nine countries, including Australia, going four times platinum there and reaching the top ten in another 16 countries, including the UK. It was nominated for a Grammy and was written as a protest song directed at President Donald Trump and his lack of empathy for equality and inclusiveness to all. She worked on the track with Johnny McDade from Snow Patrol and Steve Mack after the two worked with Ed Sheeran on the track Shape of You. It speaks once again about the less fortunate being left behind and not having a say and promises that the government had made and not followed through on. As Pink sings, What about us? What about all the times you said you had the answers? What about us? What about all the broken happy ever afters? What about us? What about all the plans that ended in disaster? What about love? What about trust? Pink mentioned on the Graham Norton show that her record company doubted if she could pull off many more hits, as she said, When I came back, the record company sat me down and told me that once you were over 35 and a female pop star, radio probably won't play you. I'm so glad I proved them wrong. On the 17th of August 2017, Pink performed at the MTV Music Awards with a 7 minute medley of her greatest hits and was presented by a good friend Ellen DeGeneres with the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award at the MTV Video Music Awards for her contribution to visual arts. It is a highly regarded award that has been presented to David Bowie, The Beatles, Madonna, George Michael, The Rolling Stones, Guns N' Roses and MJ himself just to name a few. It was here that she would make one of the most inspirational and touching speeches ever at the MTV Awards. With her husband Carrie and daughter Willow in the crowd, Pink delivered this amazing speech. If I may, I, I, I just broke it. I, I just broke it. Um, I know I don't have a lot of time, but if I may tell you a quick story. Um, recently I was driving my daughter to school and she said to me, out of the blue, Mama, so yes, baby. She said, I'm the ugliest girl I know. And I said, huh? And she was like, yeah, I look like a boy with long hair. And my brain went to, oh my God, you're six. Why, where is this coming from? Who said this? Can I kick a six-year-old's ass? Like, what? <laughs> but I didn't say anything. And instead, I went home and I made a PowerPoint presentation for her. And in that presentation were androgynous rock stars and artists that live their truth, are probably made fun of every day of their life and carry on and wave their flag and inspire the rest of us. And these are artists like Michael Jackson and David Bowie and Freddie Mercury and Annie Lennox and Prince and Janis Joplin and George Michael, Elton John, um, so many artists, uh, there was, it was, her eyes glazed over. Um, but then I said, you know, I really want to know why you feel this way about yourself. And she said, well, I look like a boy. And I said, well, what do you think I look like? And she said, well, you're beautiful. And I was like, well, thanks. <laughs> but I said, when people make fun of me, it's, that's what they use. They say that I look like a boy or I'm too masculine or I'm too... I have too many opinions, I, my body is too strong. And I said to her, I said, do you see me growing my hair? She said, no, mama. I said, do you see me changing my body? No, mama. Do you see me changing the way I present myself to the world? No, mama. Do you see me selling out arenas all over the world? Yes, mama. Okay. 
so, baby girl, we don't change. We take the gravel in the shell and we make a pearl. And we help other people to change so that they can see more kinds of beauty. And to all the artists here, I'm so inspired by all of you. Thank you for being your true selves and for lighting the way for us. I'm so inspired by you guys. There's so much rad happening right now in music. And keep doing it, keep shining for the rest of us to see. And you, my darling girl, are beautiful. And I love you. Thank you, MTV. This is a really special night. Thank you, Ellen. I couldn't love you more. Thank you, guys. Good night. Pink just rolled with the moment and didn't plan on making the speech out to her daughter. It was a touching and brilliant moment that will live on as one of the best speeches of all time by a musician. The album Beautiful Trauma was released on October 13th, 2017 and sold a total of 3 million albums, a fair decline in album sales compared to The Truth About Love. After three years of production and writing, it went to number one in 13 countries including the US, UK and Australia. The album was a significant change for Pink, both in style and vocally, as she had to adjust her vocal style as she was pregnant during recording. In December 2017, a track called Need Me that Pink collaborated with Eminem on as their fourth track together was released on his album Revival and was nominated for Best Pop Vocal Album at the Grammys, becoming Pink's 20th nomination after just 17 years as a solo artist. The next singles released on the album included Beautiful Trauma, Whatever You Want and Secrets, but the three tracks would not become mega hits like What About Us. Beautiful Trauma received a decent amount of airtime, but failed to make an impact on the mainstream charts in Australia, the US and the UK. However, it was popular across Europe and popular on radio worldwide. Beautiful Trauma was named as the album title and song title as Pink explained that life can be really traumatic and suck at times, but it can also be beautiful and great at other times. The music video would feature actor Channing Tatum and Pink as a couple in a 50s style suburban house as they dance throughout and work out their differences in their relationship. Pink continues to write songs about her love-hate relationship with Carrie as she sings The Pill I Keep Taking the nightmare I'm waking, there's nothing, no nothing, nothing but you. My perfect rock bottom, my beautiful trauma, my love, my drug. Pink would take her acrobatic performances to the next level during the AMA Awards in 2017 as she performed Beautiful Trauma while suspended on high wires on the Los Angeles JW Marriott Hotel as she danced, sung and walked across the building in what was a unique and insane performance. Whatever You Want also struggled to break into the mainstream but did manage to get some airplay in the US, New Zealand and Australia. The uplifting ballad is a reoccurring theme about her relationship with Carrie and the struggles of being with the same person for a long time after almost 17 years of ups and downs together, but not wanting it any other way. As Pink says, It just punches me in the stomach every time I hear it. My favourite line in that song is, I feel like our ship's going down tonight, but you're the one I want to sink with. Relationships are not cute, but they keep you busy. Pink's ability to deliver raw and honest material is what makes her music so unique and relatable for her fans as she never tries to sugarcoat the harsh reality of relationships and that they are genuinely hard but also worth it. 
The final single titled Secrets is a strong dance track but again didn't make an impact on the charts other than on the US dance chart coming in at number one. Secrets was written about those secrets that we choose to hold on to that not even those closest know about us. The rest of the album speaks about the struggles of life and love, where we go when we die in the track I Am Here, and in the underrated track title Barbies, the lyrics and melody of the song paint a picture of missing the good old days as a child, when life was much simpler, when time went slower, and money wasn't the main priority. The best performing of the tracks that weren't released as a single was a collaboration between Eminem and Pink called Revenge. The fun and cheeky song was a hit in the US and Australia receiving lots of airtime on radio and went as far as 21 on the Australian ARIA charts going gold there. It was the first time Pink had ever written a full rap song and on one particular night while drinking she emailed Eminem to ask him to feature on the track while also declaring her love for him as she revealed, I reached out to him in this case, I love him, I've always loved him, I think he's a lyrical genius and I just wrote him a love letter. I had written this song, I had went to the studio and drank a lot of wine, and then I went home and drank more wine because that's what you do when you've drank a lot of wine. You think more wine is a good idea. And I wrote him an email and said, I love you, I've always loved you. I've loved you since you gave me your autograph at the 2001 MTV Music Video Awards. I love that you always work with the same people. After sending the hilarious email, Eminem replied with a simple, okay, before sending through his own verse for the track soon after. Other tracks on the album, such as Better Life, talk about the false truths surrounding the world of social media. As Pink says, that song was inspired by a conversation I was having with a friend of mine who is going through a divorce. We were talking about social media and how we only sort of post the good stuff so we tend to start believing everybody else's life is better than ours, and it's all bullshit. While the beautiful but sad ballad, titled But We Lost It, is an underrated gem of the album, it also speaks about a relationship struggling to survive. But one of the best and most moving tracks on the album would come in the form of the song titled Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, as Pink sings about being strong and standing up in the face of abuse. It would become the theme song for women's rights movements such as Time's Up and Me Too and the fight against sexual and physical abuse against women. Pink had originally written the piano part of the song for the movie Suffragette, which is about a time in British history where women fought for their right to vote. During January 2018, Pink would release an empowering and emotional music video for the song where she is centred in front of the camera in a black and white filter using facial expression and hand gestures to portray her message along with singing the song. Pink wraps up the beautiful Trauma album with a stunning vocal performance of a song titled You Get My Love showing just how great her voice is and that it can stand up against the likes of Adele and Mariah Carey while Pink credits singer-songwriter Nina Simone for inspiring the track. On February 4th, 2018, Pink would realise a childhood dream and perform the US National Anthem at the Super Bowl. Despite struggling with influenza, Pink was determined to pull through and perform and did an amazing job. It was a dream of hers ever since seeing another of her idols, Whitney Houston, perform the anthem at the Super Bowl in 1991. In April, she featured on Elton John's revamp and restoration album, singing Benny and the Jets with Elton and rapper Logic. 
Pink would embark on the beautiful Trauma World Tour, which would become her last for now. Beginning on the 1st of May 2018, travelling around North America, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, South America and the UK. During the tour, Pink became ill with gastro and upper respiratory infection at her Brisbane shows and was forced to cancel and reschedule a number of Sydney shows. She endured a massive attack from the Australian media, claiming she wasn't ill and that she was instead enjoying her time with family on the Sydney beaches. Furious at these claims, Pink was clearly ill and sincerely apologetic and happily rescheduled to return to Sydney after her shows in New Zealand to ensure her fans didn't miss out. She came back to Sydney and put on three great live performances, flying through the sky, singing and dancing up a storm, and silencing her critics. Pink would return to the States at the completion of her tour on November 2nd, 2019, after a gruelling year and a half long tour. She brought in $397 million at the box office, performing in front of 3.1 million screaming fans, her most yet for ticket sales and earnings across 159 shows, placing this tour as the second highest grossing tour by a solo female artist behind Madonna. On October the 13th, 2018, Pink released her version of A Million Dreams from the soundtrack for the film The Greatest Showman. The compilation album would feature a range of popular artists covering the music from the film. Pink's version of A Million Dreams was a beautiful rendition that saw her version become popular worldwide on radio and on Spotify. It also managed to reach number one in the Netherlands, number two in Scotland and number 11 in the UK, as well as number 26 on the Australian charts where it went gold and received extensive radio airplay. A reprised version featured Pink singing with her now seven-year-old daughter Willow to sing the child's part of the song. The following year, on February the 5th, 2019, Pink received the honour of her own star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, celebrating the occasion with Kerry and her two children. Later that month, on the 20th of February, Pink released her first single of her impending ape studio album. The single was called Walk Me Home and was debuted at the Brit Awards on the day of release, as Pink performed a medley of hits and her new track. The performance was electric as Pink began singing Walk Me Home from her change room before making her way backstage and being hoisted up onto a harnessed hoop and being lowered onto the stage in front of the audience. She performed just like fire as pyrotechnics and flamethrowers and performed a duet of Just Give Me A Reason with British artist Dan Smith from Bastille and finishing with a high energy performance of Try and What About Us showing off her great vocals. Walk Me Home achieved considerable success, getting plenty of airtime on Australian radio despite only charting at number 11. It went two times platinum there also. It charted inside the top 10 in seven countries, including the UK, but was not successful in the US. The pop track was co-written with Nate Ruiz and was about having a trusted loved one to help you ride through those tough times in the current harsh world we live in. On the 26th of April 2019, Pink released the album Hurts To Be Human. It was written while on the beautiful trauma tour and 20 tracks were cut down to 13 for the album. She purposely attempted to draw away from the angsty ballads and have a more upbeat album that was like a group therapy session. The album again features themes about depression, protesting living in this troubled world and the pressures of everyday life similar to beautiful trauma. It was inspired by our children and now having different perspectives as a mother. 
The album itself would receive mixed reviews, much like Beautiful Trauma, but also contained some strong material and deep lyrical songs. The album went to number one in 10 countries, including the US, the UK, Australia and New Zealand. It went platinum in Australia and gold in the UK and New Zealand, and compared to her previous successes, it sold a lot less. The next three singles, Can We Pretend, Hurts To Be Human and Love Me Anyway, were not highly successful, but received a decent amount of airplay on radio. Can We Pretend was a massive change in style from Pink's usual tracks. She featured electronic dance music trio Cash Cash and was co-written with One Republic's Ryan Tedder. The track still managed to go gold in Australia, despite not charting well, and was a catchy tune that talks about simpler times when she was much younger, when there was no social media. Hurts To Be Human featured American singer-songwriter Khalid, who also co-wrote the song with Pink and a group of other artists. It failed to chart successfully worldwide, but had success in New Zealand peaking at number two. The track discusses the pain of living in today's high-pressure world, which resonates throughout the album, but also points out the importance of having her partner to pull her through this crazy and hurtful life. The final single, Love Me Anyway, was also disappointing upon release, and achieved some airtime in the US and Canada. The country-style song featured country music artist Chris Stapleton, which gave it a boost on the country music scene, rather than the mainstream. The song speaks about Pink questioning Carrie's commitment to their love, which is something that Pink has always struggled with. The lyrically stronger tracks were seemingly not released as singles and were exclusive to the album. One of these underrated songs is called 90 Days and included its own music video. The track is a sad bluesy and soul song about Pink's struggles with depression and the struggles in a relationship before a male singer named Rebel comes in singing from Carey's point of view as he deals with similar issues within himself. It also talks about the insecurities of leaving one another and the reference to 90 days comes from a journal of positive psychology where it states that it takes 90 days to get over a breakup. The vocal duet is a great combination of strong, soulful voices and the passion and pain can be felt and is arguably the best song on the album. As Pink sings, Don't want to tell you what I'm feeling, don't want this night to hit a ceiling, and I hide my face so you don't see it. I think out loud, hope you don't hear. If I'm just somebody that you're gonna leave and you don't feel something, when you look at me, you're holding my heart, just let me down slowly. I'll be okay, if you're just some habit that I gotta break, I can clear my system in 90 days. The lyrics depict the emotional mental battles Pink faces within herself and the feeling of not wanting to let go of the relationship, despite her unhappiness at times. It is such a powerful song that is well worth a listen. The music video features both Pink and Carrie and clearly depicts the relationship struggles and masking of their unhappiness within themselves and the situation, but still loving each other. Pink's ability to always be so honest in her music is inspiring and really attempts to break down barriers within society where most tend to keep their thoughts to themselves. Another well-written track on the album is titled Happy. Happy talks about Pink's personal insecurities and struggles with opening up from childhood to adulthood. One line in particular reads, Since I was 17, I've always hated my body, and it feels like my body hated me. This line was later revealed to be a reference to Pink having a miscarriage at the age of 17, 
and feeling as though her body had always let her down, despite being physically fit, as she had a number of miscarriages throughout her life. Years earlier on her Truth About Love album, Pink had a song called Beam Me Up, which also appears to be about a similar circumstance, as she says the song deals with the loss of a loved one, a loss of a child. Once again, Pink shares with her fans and the world her deep and darkest secrets, which is what makes her such a great and well-respected artist. Finally, the track titled Hustle would become somewhat of a hit after being released as a digital single, reaching the top 10 in Australia, New Zealand and the US on the digital sales charts. Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons co-wrote the song with Pink about believing Carrie is deceiving her into believing he cares about her and that she will no longer put up with it. Once again, Pink's insecurities come flooding into this song, which appears to be a common theme throughout the album. Pink would also collaborate with singer sensation Sia on the track titled Courage. The album overall was rather overlooked, but included some of Pink's most honest and raw lyrics since her early days. Over Pink's career, she has been an active member in both human and animal rights, getting involved in a number of charitable organisations. Some of these include being an ambassador for UNICEF, the RSPCA and PETA, while also donating to the Australian Red Cross bushfire appeal in both the fires in 2012 in Victoria and in 2019 nationwide, donating $500,000 each time. She also donates her time and funding to human rights, No Kid Hungry and Autism. While just recently in 2020, Pink donated $500,000 to the Temple University Hospital Fund, where her mother once worked for a total of 20 years, while also donating another $500,000 to the City of Los Angeles Mayor's Emergency COVID-19 Crisis, after herself and her son Jameson tested positive and recovered from the virus. Pink also announced in late 2019 that she was taking a year off from writing and performing as a semi-retirement to focus more on her relationship with Carrie and to spend time with her young children. Pink believes in raising her kids in a genderless household and encourages her children to be whatever they want to be and do whatever makes them happy. Pink has always been a proud tomboy and has attempted to break down the stigma behind it with Willow happily following in her mother's footsteps, choosing to wear suits instead of dresses. Pink is seen as a figurehead in women's rights, gay rights and as an animal activist that is always willing to donate her time and money to fight for what she believes in. Pink will go down as one of the greatest vocalists and songwriters of her time. She has rose up from a tough life as a young woman and beat her rebellious addictions to drugs and criminal behaviour, with music literally becoming her lifeline. There is no doubting Pink may have ended up in prison if it wasn't for her love and passion for music that stemmed from her influential father and the likes of her musical influences, such as the Four Non Blondes. Her exposure to homeless shelters and the less fortunate growing up worked wonders into shaping the amazing, inspiring and strong woman she would become. She is humble, down-to-earth and humorous, and her touching heartfelt songs and deep honest lyrics have helped so many, both young and old, through tough times and encouraged those just like her that maybe they can one day make it too. She has paved the way for artists such as Lady Gaga, Sia, Kelly Clarkson, Adele, Julia Michaels and Katy Perry, who don't fit the mould of the cookie-cutter pop star, instead making a popular genre of their own. 
Pink would always stand for what she believed in and is always willing to give and be generous to those that need a helping hand. The world wouldn't be the same place without Pink's protest songs, anthems and raw songwriting ability and she has given a voice to so many around the world while also becoming an inspiring mother to her two children. Pink has conquered the charts on the world stage with three Grammys, six Billboard Music Awards, seven MTV Music Awards and winning a total of 131 awards worldwide. Pink has had six number one albums in Australia and three in the US, while having nine number one singles in Australia and four in the US. All while selling out massive arenas while on tour with her amazing aerial skills and high energy performances, all while producing stunning vocals. She has now sold over 40 million albums and 50 million singles worldwide. Quite an amazing feat for a modern female artist, which places her on the same level as artists like Lionel Richie and Johnny Cash, and in front of artists such as George Michael in terms of sales. Pink might now be a 40-year-old proud mother and wife, but there is no stopping her. While she may have put the mic down for now, there's no doubt that the rebel juggernaut that is Pink will soon return with her next big hit. Okay, thank you everyone for listening. I really hope you enjoyed episode 3 featuring Pink. Please make sure you like, share, rate, subscribe and leave a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, if you would like to support the podcast by becoming a patron, head to Patreon to check out how you can keep this podcast going and sign up to one of three membership packages starting at just $1 a month, which includes extra content and bonuses. Again, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Stay tuned for next week's episode, which will be revealed on our Facebook page at Lyrics of Their Life podcast. I'm your host, Adam Hampton, and this is Lyrics of Their Life.